Welcome to the Living a Triggered Life podcast with Keith Maskell and Roxanne Maskell. Yeah, we're excited to be back. Um, there is, um, it's been uh, some hype. People have been waiting to hear, to hear what we have to say. Uh, this podcast, um, we will be talking about our relationship and uh, what it's like to be in a relationship, to be triggered, how we deal with it. Um, we'll be interviewing guests, doing all kind of other really fun things. You know, the purpose is, is for us to share our story as uh, survivors in a relationship, to be able to help others, sometimes give advice, possibly some people to help us out. Lord knows we need it and kind of go from there. So we were thinking about what we we're going to talk about today. We planned out, of course course all these topics and stuff like that what we're going to talk about and we're like well where are we going to start and so i had the idea that we should start with how we met right roxanne right and so we started to have a little bit of debate about it and i figured well we might as well just do it during the podcast because that kind of makes more sense so what did you say to me when i talked about that roxanne I asked you if you were going to tell the real story. Right, and I was kind of, right, and I stopped right then. I was like, "We got to do this on air." What do you mean, the real story? What are you What are you trying to say? We have some multiple versions of the real story. <laughs> multiple, but there's only me and you. Correct, but so, there's sometimes parts that we don't share for okay. censored. You mean you mean there's a censored version and an uncensored version, or like a PG thirteen and like a G version? Basically. Okay, is that for your protection or mine, or for both? I no, I don't think it's for our protection at all. Okay, I good. think we're protecting others that were oh. that may have been involved. Oh, my goodness. Wow. But in regards to this podcast and the purpose of it, I think it's worthy to go into it a little bit deeper and talk about exactly what happened and how we met and the circumstances around that, which really play an interesting role in being triggered and what it's like to be triggered and how other people in our space trigger us and how do we manage that and that's always the issue right how do we manage our narrative we talk about this all the time narrative is important whose narrative are we living are we living our narrative and how do we know we're living our narrative and have we done any work to understand what our narrative is and being triggered to me sometimes means you're not living your narrative mm, man um you're really smart i just want to say that for the record thanks keith you're welcome um no i think you're right about that so where do you want to start maybe we should start talking about just before we met each other mm. and kind of where we were in our lives right you want me to start i don't care oh, i was a damn mess um let me just say <laughs> I'm just gonna be. I'm just gonna put it out there 100. percent I was. I was a mess. Um, I was depressed. Most definitely, it was really difficult for me to to kind of be in relationships in some ways. I was just really insecure with myself. Wait, in relationships with women or in relationships in general, like family and friends? Like, who are we talking about? Good question. I think both. I think I was. You know, my parents had divorced. I, I wasn't sure who to trust. In a lot of ways, I really was just unsafe in all aspects. Um, I had just, um, ah, right. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I'm now I'm remembering. I had just, uh, I went to school at UMass Amherst, uh, for a little while. And then, um, that kind of just didn't work out just because I was just, I was, I was just struggling. I was just so depressed. And so, um, I came home and, um, I enrolled and home is, uh, Boston, Massachusetts even though I don't sound like it. Um, but I came home and I, I went back to school. I'm at, sorry, Boston, Massachusetts? Boston. Like I said, like I said. Boston, Massachusetts. Like I said, are we telling the real story 
or aversion? Boston, Massachusetts, sir? Oh, I'm sorry. Excuse me. You know what I'm saying? Like Cambridge, Massachusetts, home of uh, Patrick Ewing, NBA <laughs> Hall of Famer. Um, okay. Mighty Mighty Bostones. Uh, uh, shout outs. Like, we, can we limit the shout outs? Okay. Um, yes, I'm sorry. So Cambridge, Massachusetts uh, was where I was living at the time. I, going, uh, I went back to school after having a terrible experience, but a really good experience over at UMass Amherst. And I was just trying to get back on my feet. I was working for the city. <laughs> I was a locker room attendant. <laughs> uh, and also I was a custodian. I had like I had this hookup job. I had this dope job. It's a custodian. I cleaned one one classroom at a school and they paid me a lot of money. It was really great. And then one way I was dealing with my one way I was dealing with my trauma was that I was going around trying to find Prince records, which was really incredible. Needless to say that I have a great uh, shout out to Prince folks. Um <laughs> and um you mean vinyl? Oh, no question. No, that's the only way to do it. You know what I mean? Vinyl and things Just like that. Just making sure everybody knows right. what you're talking right. about. Right. But in a nutshell, I was depressed. My mom had moved to Florida. My dad was was doing his own thing and, and stuff like that, trying to just live his life. And, you know, I didn't know what to do for the most part. I was just kind of kind of winging it for the most part and just trying to just stay above water. I tried to clean my sneakers, make sure they was, those were clean. We'll talk about that a little bit later episode um, about trauma and and material things and trauma and sneakers and sneaker culture. And so that was what was going on with me. I was a mess, but I was trying to come back. I was trying to keep fighting through and getting up every day with dark circles under my eyes and, and everything and playing ball and just trying to survive pretty much for the moment. But I did feel good in some small ways. The fact that, you know, my haircut was tight, you know what I mean? Um, Cause those things were important. My mother being a, a hairdresser and things like that, me cutting hair, those small things made me feel pretty good in some ways. And I got a call from a family friend asking if I wanted to meet somebody. But I'll let you talk about yourself. <laughs> Go so, ahead, Roxanne. Talk about yourself. Yes, sir. And can we start using, I got to say something. Can we start using the, the New York accent? Because Roxanne is from New York. And that's one reason why I really liked her is because she had this, she had that little bit of a New York accent. That was the only reason. Um, we, we won't get into that right now. Right. So, like Keith said, I'm from New York, and I would have cut my legs and my arms off to get out of my house. Mm. That's real talk. And so, instead of doing that, I decided to go to college when I had the opportunity. And I chose the first college I applied to just to get out. I ended up in Rhode Island. Mm -hmm. And I met Keith, I think, in my junior year. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. my junior, junior year. year. Right, 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 right. And the way I met Keith was I was in a sorority that was loco, and I happened to invite old Soros to come down, and I met a few old Soros. Mm. And one of those Soros happened to live in Cambridge, and she seemed pretty cool. And, you know, we would just have fun. She was about fun and, you know, nonstop fun, and, you know, just we had a good time. So she invited me to come up and visit her in Cambridge, and um, I remember I said to her, yeah, maybe I will, because I'm in this bad relationship right now, and I can't see my way out of it. And I just, I need to meet men. I need to get out of this relationship. Damn. I mean, how forward thinking is that? I just want to meet men. Damn. Hey, I've always been clear about certain things. I ain't mad at you at all. I ain't mad at you. So 
she said, cool, come on up. I'll invite some of my friends and, you know, we can meet some different men. So I started coming up here, meeting some different men. And um, I'm sure eventually we'll talk about what that experience was like. How many men did you meet, by the way? Mm, one, two, three, three. Oh, three. That's not, that's not even, that's before you met me or including me? I think including you. Wow. That's not that much. That's not that many. Well, men identified for me. I met a lot of men based on my Sora um, that she knew, but identified for me, it was like three. Hmm. Okay. Um, I'm not going to, should we unpack that? <laughs> and here we are back at, are we going to tell the real story or are we going to tell the pretend story? Because the real story has some impact and speaks to that triggered life, right? It does. No question about it. Yeah, I think so. No question about it. I think so. No so what, what, how we want to describe that piece? Um, I think that, I think that we should, um, I think we should be as real as we can be as, as, as long as we're remaining respectful, you know, to, well, to the people in the process and that's and fine stuff with like me. that. I mean, they're, they're mad at me. Like I did something, but you are the golden child for that person still, even though I didn't do anything. All I did was get up with you, but okay. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, we can, we can, we can, we can talk in a, in, in general as we, as, as we need to, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? There's certain details that aren't necessarily important for, some folks, but some other things are. Yeah, I mean, we just stick to what the triggered parts right. are. Of course, no question. Right. right. So, so it's important, but it's important to say that. With saying that, Roxanne, what's important to say is that you know the person that 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 hooked us up or whatever was a family was a family friend, right? And it was interesting because you know um, I grew up Bijan, of course, you know Bijan, big up Barbados, um, but we're trained. Right. We're not raised. We're trained, you know, and whatever your parents tell you is law. Like you don't you don't question that, you know, and say, oh, Keith, Keith, the sky is blue. Then I think the sky is blue. And I have no reason to think for myself because I was told by my people <laughs> trained <laughs> that the sky was blue. So here we are with friends of family. Right. We have people who have titles in the family and things like that. And re- it was like, regardless of what would happen. They were your family, so you would just allow it to happen. So, but wait, let's pause allow for a Allow things to happen. Let's unpack this title piece, because I want to make sure people understand this, the way we describe titles mm, well, to family. you help me out with that. So basically, we have people who, have, who, without earning, have the right to a title. Mother, father, brother, sister, cousin, what have you. Mm-hmm. And because they have that title they are given certain privileges in their lives Mm -hmm. without any real parameters or boundaries. Correct. And then there's a lot of different experiences that people have. I know people can relate where people utilize those titles to violate boundaries. Mm -hmm. And there is no sort of community norm within that family unit about what's okay and what's not okay. Mm. And that's where things go left. Right. Right. So, Part of what I've learned and Keith and I have talked about is how people who have titles in our families still have to earn our trust and our love. And in order to maintain that, it means that they also have to respect, have respectful boundaries. We don't talk about that in family. That's not set up. No, no. And a lot of us end up being hurt and on multiple levels. Well, I mean, I think... 
I mean, you know, we think about, uh, you know, our, our parents and, and things like that, like, you know, like, they're like, well, they made us. So, you know, we're always, always want to give respect back and, 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 and give up that love and, and, and do whatever we can to help them. And, 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 and you know what I mean? Cause we wouldn't be here because of them. That's, that's just a normal thought. Like, that's just how, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's just how it is. But I guess, and I know I got to that point and I loved my parents. There's no question about that. You know what I mean? But I did get to the point where I had to see them as people and that was difficult, but I had to, in terms of, it was, it was part of the process of me beginning and trying to deal with the reality of the abuse in some ways. And their role right in it right in the right in the, whether right. it be it direct or indirect right. in their you know in their role in their role in it you know like yeah there's no there's no question about that and yeah. also in the in the role of of how their you know their baggage and their trauma and the things that they had to deal with as they were coming up and how those things if not dealt with and some of them were not dealt with then how that affected me and what the things that I learned Right. And that was about the titles and the family and things like that, because Roxanne would be like, wait a minute, like this person's in your family. Like, do you don't understand that they're, they're just throwing snow in your face right now? And I'm like, well, it's my cousin. So, like, it's not that big of a deal. She'd be like, um, it is a big deal. She's like, no, like your face is really cold. <laughs> and you're crying <laughs> and like you're like you're over here falling apart in the exactly. corner in the fetal exactly. position but it doesn't matter because they're your cousin right exactly right and so like that was a i mean that was a that was that was a big realization for me to kind of see people for who they were like yes that's my cousin but these are the things that these are the issues that my cousin has and these are the good things that they have and kind of putting them into context well and i just want to be clear about something Setting boundaries and allowing people to earn your love and your trust doesn't mean that you don't love them. It doesn't mean that they're not important. All it means is that you want to feel safe in that relationship. Right. In mm-hmm. that there should be some some ground rules about safety. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, that's I mean, that's I mean, that's a that's a hard that's but still let's let's really talk about that. That's a difficult that's a difficult situation, you know, as a person who's nineteen and twenty trying to figure it out. Well, it's a difficult concept when you don't have any other family, right? And you don't you can't see beyond or outside the context of your family or yeah. where you grew up. Right. And don't get me wrong, I get that, but I got very clear very quickly based on the violations that were happening to mm-hmm. me, that this is wrong. Right. This shouldn't be happening. Right. You shouldn't be doing this to me. Right. And how come nobody's saying anything? And mm-hmm. how come you're not stopping? And, you know, like, and it didn't stop. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's the basic foundation of where you and I are coming from. And mm-hmm. so that's kind of where we're coming from. And then we're meeting somewhere in the middle and we meet with somebody who doesn't have boundaries. Right. And I if mean, they do, they're not showing them. Yeah. I mean, I think that was, I mean, I think honestly, that was, that was something that you were clear about when I met you was around those type of, those type of bound boundaries and things like that. I think you were, you were um, really mature in that way around the, around the boundaries. Right. And for family and things. I, I had no, I, I had none. You know, there were no, there were no boundaries, you know, and there were no boundaries because 
of just the way that sometimes my family functioned in a way there were boundaries, but then again, there, there, there wasn't, you know, there was other traumatic things that I still am looking for the, looking for the answers of the story that happened. But because of some of the trauma that was in my family, you know, there, there weren't some boundaries at certain points, you know, and I didn't, I kind of knew about it, but I didn't know about it. I don't think I really wanted to truly pay attention to it. So here's the thing. How would you have known what to do about it? Oh, that's the thing, right? Yeah, How no would you way. know what to do? There's you no wouldn't way. know. There's no, I mean, who, I mean, still, cause you think we think about, right. In terms of being silent. And that was the other thing too. Who was I going to talk to my, who was I going to talk about the problems? Who was going to talk about the problems with, you know, my parents and the divorce and the backstory and whatever, because, you know, we, in our communities, you know, this thing, the silence thing is, is incredible. You know what I mean? And I always talk powerful. about powerful, right? Silence. Don't tell people your business, blah, 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 whatever. And of course, growing up, vision, even, it's just this like, is another layer it's just of another layer silence. of it. Like, don't be telling people my business here. What? You're like, my parents didn't even want like teachers from the school to call my house for anything. <laughs> like, it's kind of funny. Like they, <laughs> the teacher called and said, hi, can I speak on Mr. Maskell, please? You know, he'd be looking at me. And the, and the teacher would call and say, you know what, Keith is doing really well today. I just wanted to call you and make sure that you knew that, okay? And my father would be like, why'd I call in my house? <laughs> like, no, 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 they called for something good, bruh. <laughs> no, 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 don't call my house. Everybody was a bill collector. Everybody, family. We were responsible. We were the gatekeepers, right? We were the gatekeepers. You answer the phone. Yes. <laughs> well, good evening or good morning. Yes, who's calling, please? Like that's how we were, we were called to answer, answer the phone. And my mother would be, or my dad would be over just looking at us. And then we'd say the name out loud. And then nine times out of 10, they'd be like, mm-mm. They'd give you that, mm-mm. I don't want to talk to them. <laughs> so, so, so that silence, I had no one to, I had, well, I did have my, one of my, I had one of my best friends and things like that. Um, you know, my boy, you know, DF, my boy DF, big shout out to DF. Um, I did have some folks that I could talk to to a certain extent. But, but how would they guide you? Because they were they having exactly they're having the same no, right. experiences. No, 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 exactly. Right. Two Nobody trauma, to talk right. to. Two triggered fools trying to roll through and trying to give you we couldn't well, give each other advice, but what could we do? We could just be there and talk to them. Also two young black boys. Exactly. Trying to get so what, what, you know like there's a whole there's a whole Thankful um, for him though. I hear you. He was a good support for you. But there's a whole thing about how you're supposed to be in the community and outside the house or in the house as a black boy. Right. Right. That whole thing of what you mean you sad. You ain't sad. What you crying? Oh my god! Right. Oh my so god. let's just. Start. So how was he going to guide you? Right. You can't guide. No. He wasn't. Mm-mm. He couldn't. There was no right. So there was no guidance around boundaries. There's no guidance about how to deal about with anything. About how to deal with it or how to be sad or whatever. Right. Because you know. Um, or it wasn't happening. Right. Because, it was happening, but nobody right. was going to acknowledge. Right. It. But it was all about. It was all about. What boy lazy? What boy sleeping all the time? The boy's lazy. No, no, I wasn't lazy. I was depressed and I was miserable. Because I had been abused and just like nobody was paying attention to what was happening to me at all. You know what I'm saying? I shouldn't say at all because I did have some folks that did try to kind of in their own way reach out to me. But I didn't trust anybody. I didn't know who was who. You know what I mean? I mean, I have a, you know, there was some good, there's some really great folks in my family. And because of the silence, number one, but number two of not knowing who was who and who to trust. I just, you know, I, I closed up, you know, I closed it up. 
for the most part, or until I got on the basketball court, and I was just trying to. So know. we're way off. Topic. I was going on Russell Westbrook. We're way off topic. Right. We're supposed to be talking about how we met. No, no, no. I understand, but I think it's important. To, but I think this is important. And thank you for trying to bring us back. But I think this is important because this also gives a context to where we were. Right. It does give a context of where we were coming from. But right. I also think that some of what we're talking about also deserves to be unpacked in a, right. in a different time. You're right. No question. Because no question about it. my experience was really about trying to get out of my house and get right. away from mm-hmm. the, the hurt and the pain. Right. And then trying to figure out how I manage the world without any guidance. Right. Right. And those folks who just list, just tuned in or whatever, this is Living a Triggered Life podcast uh, with Keith Maskell. And Roxanne Maskell. And we're talking about how we met, so to speak. We've kind of digressed in some ways, uh, talking about family and boundaries and things like that, which we'll get into a little bit more. But I think it was important that we um, that we did talk some more about that. Yeah. But let's get back. Like you said, let's get back into where we met um, <laughs> our show. Pretty much. We're trying to do about a half an hour. Um, and so I know we don't have too much time left for this and we'll have the part two and continue to talk about it. Um, so go ahead, Ross. So this individual that introduced us was living a life that was very different from mine and I wasn't even aware. And it was just to be fair, it was a, a sort of a sexual freedom that I was unaware of. Well, but let's but let's be honest. It was another another survivor, actually. Yes. Yes. It was. But at the time, for me, it was a type of sexual freedom just because that's what it looked like to me. Mm -hmm. So we met through this person and we had a lot of conversations about this person's lack of boundaries Mm -hmm. or what we thought this person was attempting to do was to basically have sex with us. Right. Uh, Yeah. <laughs> I didn't think you're gonna jump in. I didn't think you're gonna jump in like that, like that, because we haven't got to that part yet. No, we haven't. We don't need to go deeper in it. But when we talk about being our, triggered, well, that was our sense. We don't know if that was true, but that was just a. That's sense how that, we felt. That's just how. That's just the sense that 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 we that but we then, got. But then further along, there was some clear attempts to set something up. I mean, I, of a sexual nature that was more than A and B, C, D, and E. Well, right? but, but K wasn't involved in that. I know K wasn't involved in that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, K was I'm just setting the platform for right. how you and I getting together, the, the way that started, and the individual that was dead smack in between us. Right. And then we're going to have to unpack what happened. Jeez. And all of that. This but is, that's the real, real. Yo, like, that's like that's just so, like, it's just so much, right? Both of us are survivors. The person that's hooking us up is a survivor. And, you know, having a sexual freedom. And um, it's all playing out. Like, it's all playing, like, it's all playing out all at once. And we are both recovering. We're in the dead smack beginning of our recovery. Yeah. Yeah. Meeting each that. other. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't think. Uh, yeah, right. I, I I think I was in the beginning stage. <laughs> I think I was. I was in the beginning stages. Well, I knew I was. Good lord. I mean, th- that's one thing I think we shared. We were both lost. Oh yeah, no question about that. 
There's no, there's no question about that. But you know what? But let me, but you know what, Roxanne? I'm going to stop you right here. I'm going to stop you right here because we're, we are just about out of time for this session. Uh, you've been listening to the Living a Triggered Life podcast with Keith Masco. And Roxanne Masco. Talking about what it's like to be in a relationship uh, as two survivors of abuse. You know, we're here to, we're here to help folks. Um, we're here to heal. We're here to share. Um, to share. Eventually, we'll be taking calls and all the rest of that stuff. But we'll be checking y'all out again really soon. And you'll you hear part two to how we met. How we met. So thank you all for listening. Um, we all will see you all next time. And uh, remember, we're no longer surviving. We're thriving. God bless.